Welcome to the Sex and Spirituality Podcast, a show where we have real deep conversations about everything from love, dating, sexuality, mental health, to trauma, spirituality, metaphysics, healing, and all things new age and woo-woo. I am your host, Lauren Coletti, a yoga instructor, poet, Reiki healer, and graduate student studying forensic psychology with a focus on sexual health. As a spiritual teacher and student, domestic violence and sexual abuse survivor, sex educator, coach, and counselor, I hope these vulnerable conversations will inspire you to take an introspective look at yourself to help you better your life and the people around you. I thank you so much for listening and hope you have a sexy day. I guess it'd be really nice to start by asking you a little bit about yourself. I I know that you said that you're a bit of a course newbie, you've read other people, you've been listening to the course, but can I ask how long that's been going for? When did you first find it? Absolutely. I first found the course, I'd heard of it years ago yeah. and, and I didn't really understand what it was, but I would say in October, I really started diving into it a lot more. Okay. So October of last year? Correct. Okay, cool. All right. And have you done the workbook at all? I know that you were listening. You haven't read it back to front, but have you done the workbook or started it? I don't know. No, I really wanted to, but I was a little confused as to how it works. Is it, um, I guess now I could ask you, is it like a journal where that you have prompts or is it everyday lessons to reflect upon? It's everyday lessons. Oh, and okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay that you haven't started it though. That's fine. You don't have to. I mean, everyone does it slightly differently in all honesty. Um, my recommendation would be to read the text first before you start the workbook. But the workbook itself kind of comes with instructions. Like it literally has an introduction to it that gives you a bit of an idea of, you know, how to do it. Like there are a couple of rules, like don't do more than one lesson mm. per day, for example, so that you can really kind of get absorbed sure. in each lesson. And it's, it's a little bit different. A lot of it's very meditative. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, and in the beginning it's quite um, like observing things and it doesn't take up a lot of time. And later on the lessons kind of, you know, um, demand a bit more time, a bit more attention throughout the day. But Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's an experience. It's 365 oh, lessons, one for every day in a whole year. Oh, I love that. And yeah, okay. and most people kind of go overboard because it's really it can be hard to stick to. Yes, with the I listened to the audiobook, and I guess okay. I should have tried to read the text prior because I got completely lost. And yeah. uh, some of the concepts I wrote down a couple like main questions to go yeah. over, but some of the the lessons I got so confused and then it became overwhelming and then I was getting so down I'm like I'm so dumb I can't understand this and I'm like this defeats the purpose (laughs) (laughs) and that's normal too I think and I think that's why you know I've spoken to a few people who have listened to the course rather than read it and I think it is really hard to do it that way because it is really densely written. Like yes. it's a really hard read. And so not have, and, and already there's a temptation to kind of like not really, um, to kind of get lost in it. You're not alone in that and you're not stupid just because you got a bit lost. Mm-hmm. So it helps to kind of have the book and actually read, even if you're listening at the same time. Yeah, that's so a great that you, idea. You can slow down. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so what, what were your questions? Sure. So... I have been trying to live by the principles, but I find it so much easier to preach it than to actually implement them into my life. Cause there's days where I'm just like, Oh, you never know what people are going through. Like don't judge people. And then the next second, I'm just like, F this person, F this person. So I, I think that's something that came out periodic a lot throughout the course is forgiveness. And I just wanted your perspective on these points. Like, how do you know if you have fully forgiven something if you still hold grief around the situation? Does Do you think that if the person or the relationship still bothers you periodically that you haven't fully forgiven the situation? And how 
if you have the intention to forgive, but you're still holding on, I guess I kind of just want to know how to let that go to fully release mm -hmm. it. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think it helps to kind of think of forgiveness as something that will be like an ongoing process throughout your life, right? So when you, if you, like if you're specifically trying to forgive someone, right? And you do feel like you have, and then later there is, like you were saying, there's, you realize you kind of still have some kind of grief, some grievance, uh, some discomfort around the idea of them. It brings up some kind of pain or whatever, whatever it is, judgment, you know, comes up. Um, then there's more forgiveness to do basically. Um, that can be hard to kind of take sometimes when you really, really work <laughs> on a particular relationship that maybe was really, really difficult. But I don't know if you've heard of, if you've read any of Gary Reynolds' work. No. There's, there's a metaphor in one of his books. It's a pretty popular one. I'd, I'd recommend it. It's a good sure. introduction as well. But um, if you think of it as like an onion, right? The reason you're, we're forgiving from the course's perspective is that, and I'm not 100% sure how much, um, you know, other writers have covered this, but the problem that the course says that we all have is this problem of guilt, unconscious guilt in the mind, right, that shows up as self-hatred, that shows up as fear, that shows up as pain, that shows up as suffering in all kinds of forms, right? And if you think of it as kind of like an iceberg or an onion, Every time you forgive someone for anything, right, that's kind of like peeling one layer of the onion off. But there are many, many more layers. So it's kind of like even if it's the same person, there may be many more ways of letting go of guilt, right, by forgiving them multiple times, right? There, or if you think of it as like an iceberg and you kind of think, well, I'm just chipping away. Like every time I practice forgiveness, I'm chipping away a little bit more of that kind of iceberg, but there's heaps there, right? So I'm not going to expect that it's not going to show up again or, you know, there won't be more judgments or more difficulty even in some relationships. Some people, you know, we're going to have a bit of a tense relationship with and maybe a lifelong one, like if it's family, for example, but someone that you can't really get away from. Um, but the marker in general is that when you've really forgiven somebody, when they come to mind, whether they're in your life or not, there is no more anger. There is no more sadness. There is, there's none of that kind of, there's no emotional response. There's just a sense of peace around it. And that can be, that can take a really long time to get to, depending on who you're talking about and what kind of experience you've had. Um, so it's helpful to kind of think of forgiveness in a very, very simple way, just to begin with, think of it as like having three steps, right? Like it's like a three-step formula that you can follow. The first, and I'll, and I'll give you a little kind of um, primer to it. If you think of it as the three R's of forgiveness, right? The first step is recognize what the true cause of your suffering is. The second step is to um, uh, release, let it go, let go of that true cause of your suffering. And the third step is to replace the cause of your suffering. Now, you're only responsible for the first two steps, right? To recognize what the true cause of your, of your suffering is and then to release it, to choose to release it. Now, um, when we're talking about the true cause of your suffering, the cause, like, it helps to kind of get it. This is why I say, read, you know, it helps to read the, the text because the workbook doesn't explain the theory of the course the text does and then the workbook is more the practical application but if you think of forgiveness even now before you've you know read it before you you know like sat down and read the whole thing and sat down and done the actual workbook if you think of it as in general you know wreck when when the course says you want to recognize the real cause of your suffering the step before that is to kind of say well what do i think is the the cause of my suffering so you might say, all right, I have an issue with somebody, right? I've got an issue with my friend, right? And, you know, they're being really mean lately or whatever it is they're doing to me. <laughs> they're ignoring me. <laughs> and, and I'm really upset by that, right? So 
here I am, you know, my friend hasn't texted or called me back in like a week. She's being, you know, she's gone AWOL. <laughs> and I'm really, really upset at that. And, and, you know, obviously this isn't such a huge example. <laughs> there are many, many worse ones. But let's say that really bothers me. It keeps me, I wake up at night and I'm like, what am I going to do about this? Like what happened? Um, the first step is to kind of say, well, I think it's my friend's fault. I think it's her fault that I feel this discomfort, I feel really upset about this and it's all her fault. If she would just text me back, if she would just talk to me the way she used to, if she would just tell me what's wrong, then I wouldn't feel this way. And so in other words, the first step is to kind of say, what's the problem here on the level of the world, the obvious reason that I seem to be upset, right? And you can always point point to somebody, someone in your, something in yourself or a situation externally, right? But it's always an external problem here framed in the world's terms. And, and so the second step is what's the true cause of your suffering? And, the you know, the Course says that all suffering comes from the mind, right, which isn't really our brain. It's like on a different level, right, our consciousness, what we've chosen. It's kind of invisible to us. And... You know, the Course says it's very simple. There's one problem and there's one solution. And the real problem is, is that we chose the ego as our teacher, right? And the ego has a particular thought system. And that thought system is you're guilty or somebody else is or both. You're guilty and now you want to see the guilt in everybody else. And you're guilty because you did something wrong. So the, the myth of the Course is that we all kind of got here because, you know, we're the son of God and we killed God and he banished us from heaven. We basically banished ourselves from heaven. We left and that was a sin, right? Because to have left means we probably attacked him. How else would God and heaven kind of disappear? So that's a sin. That's why we're guilty. And because, you know, the idea of sin, the idea of having committed a crime or being guilty, immediately demands punishment, right? We think even just in terms of criminals here, we think, well, someone killed someone, someone raped someone, they should go to jail, they should be punished for that, right? It's a similar way of thinking. If we think on that level, even if it's like a bit of a story the ego makes up, that we're guilty, then that means that we should be punished. We think we deserve to be punished secretly, right? That's what the ego tells us. And so we think, well, now I'm afraid of punishment. I'm secretly afraid of punishment. And so that's what everyone's kind of walking around with, this hidden, you know, it's not even necessarily conscious for us, right? But this idea that I'm bad, essentially, I'm terrible, and no one can find out because if they do, then they're all going to kind of recoil in horror. And it's so unbearable. I need to see other people as being wrong, other people as being bad, other people as being sinful, other people as being you know, basically the guilty ones, not me. That's how I'm going to protect myself from my own secret belief that I'm guilty. But I'm still afraid, right? I'm still afraid of things now. I'm here in this world and I'm afraid that I'm going to be punished. And so basically that's the one problem that the Course says that we all have, and it's a hidden problem. And so when it says the first step to forgiveness is to recognize what you're really what's really causing your suffering, it's to basically say nothing external to me here in the world is a real cause. It's this choice on the level of the mind. It's the fact that I am secretly believing this idea of the ego, that I'm a sinner, that I'm guilty, I deserve to be punished. And now here in the world there's this problem and I think, it's the prob I think that's the problem, but it's not. Meaning now I have a choice, right? I don't have to believe this anymore, right? I don't have to believe that guilt is real. I don't have to believe that sin is real. I don't have to believe that fear is, is justified or real. Or my anger is justified and real, that my upset is, is really who I am. And so the second step then is release the true cause. So now we're saying it's not my friend's fault, you know, that I'm upset, right? And, and it doesn't mean you deny what someone's done to you, right? Because that's a really big trap that people fall into in the course. We say, oh, okay, well, that person raped me, but, you know, my boyfriend raped me, but, you know, I'm going to forgive him and, and it's okay, basically. And that's not what the course is saying. You don't want to 
we all have issues here in this world, right? And, and people can still do bad things, obviously. But, and it's not that you, you have to hang around with everybody either or let anybody into your life, everybody into your life, just because you're practicing forgiveness. Forgiveness is kind of like an awareness thing that you do in your mind and no one has to know, right? So, so for the as the question, the practice is to say, I think, forgive by saying it's not your fault, even though, okay, you punched me in the face, it's not your fault, I'm actually in pain. The real problem is how I'm interpreting this. I'm saying, you are the evil one. That makes me innocent. And secretly, I think I'm the evil one. And this is what's causing me pain. And I'm going to release that, right? I'm going to say, there's another teacher. It's not just the ego in my mind that I can see things through. I can also kind of see things through the Holy Spirit's perspective or Jesus's perspective, whoever you identify the most with you, or both, whatever. But the point is to get to that place within you where you say, oh, there's a choice here. I was choosing the ego. When I'm in pain, I'm choosing the ego. And I can choose the Holy Spirit's perspective as well. And the Holy Spirit's perspective is just to say, I can accept peace instead of this. And I do it by letting go of this idea that guilt is real, that sin is real, that, you know, anger is justified, that I deserve to be punished. I'm going to accept instead that I'm innocent, right? And that's why I can be at peace, even if somebody just punched me in my face, even if somebody just betrayed me. And it obviously doesn't mean then that that's all you do. That's what you do spiritually, right, in your mind. You kind of say, okay, well, I'm taking back my power of belief from the ego and I'm putting it in, you know, the right-minded thought system of the Holy Spirit instead. And so I can accept that who I really am is the Son of God, right? That's the our true identity. I'm not really this body that I seem to be because that's the big kind of foundational idea of the course, right, that the world isn't real and you're not really your body, right? Sure, we seem to be in a world, the Course isn't denying that it seems real and that I really think I'm, I'm this person, right? It's just saying, well, you don't have to be so identified with it. You can kind of just remember you're dreaming this dream and this still isn't you, even though it really feels like it is. And so even if someone does something to me that's quite hurtful, I can still choose to kind of to remember who I am and I can remember who they are beyond the kind of behavior they're engaging in, beyond the person they think they are, who they're showing up as, who I'm showing up as, no matter what happens to me. And then just going back to, you know, not going into kind of a delusional state, right, where you're just like, okay, well, anyone can do anything to me. You want to go back and say, well, okay, there are things I have to take care of here. That person who just physically assaulted me, maybe I'm going to report them to the police or do the normal thing. The difference is as I'm reporting this crime to the police or this assault or, you know, or I'm attending to the problem here, right, of the world, I'm just not going to do it with that sense of um, pain, with this story that says, wow, you're really damaged now because look at what this person did to you, right? I'm damaged because look at what this person did to me. I'm broken now. Or I'm you're not going to do, be doing it with the same anxiety, the same depression, the same anger, the same um, fear. You're not going to be doing all those things with a... You're not going to be taking care of things here in the world with that same pain, basically, internally. And even on a lesser kind of problem, like let's say my friend, right, she's still not responding to me. I think there's a problem. She won't tell me what it is. I still have to deal with that. I can kind of say, okay, you're not the reason that I'm upset. I've got to remind myself of this. I've got to remember who I am. And now maybe I'm making the interpretation that, oh, her not getting back to me means that I guess I'm pretty worthless, right? Maybe that's what the ego is kind of trying to convince me of. I'm worthless. I'm not worth her time. She, she thinks I'm an idiot or whatever it is. And maybe I should just kind of, you know, it makes me so sad maybe that it's kind of hard to find the right words to say anything or I'm too afraid of having a conversation with her because of what she might say to me. And so now that I'm forgiving it and I'm kind of working through 
within myself this forgiveness process and saying that I'm not worthless. Even if someone doesn't like me anymore, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm worthless because, and again, you go to the right-minded perspective, you say, well, I'm the son of God, I'm worthy, right? Beyond question, right? Not because of what somebody else thinks of me, not even because of what I think of me, but because of what God thinks of me, right? What God has, God has established my worth, therefore I'm worthy, therefore I'm lovable, because God is lovable, right? And now I'm accepting that as my identity, and now I'm walking back. Obviously, I'm coming out of my forgiveness process, and I'm going, well, I guess I still kind of have to deal with this. I still like my friend. I'd like to figure things out. So maybe now I'm not going to have, you know, I'm not going to have the fear in, about contacting her. Maybe I'm going to be like, well, if she doesn't like me, she doesn't like me. If she's going to yell at me, she's going to yell at me. If, you know, she's going to be a complete, you know, nut job, she's going to be a complete nut job. But I'm now going to kind of reach out maybe, right? I'm going to do something. I'm not going to kind of hide from my problems. I'll do something. I just won't do things in a way that um, will solidify, right, and back up this idea that I really am either terrible and evil and worthless or that they're terrible and evil and worthless right so that's kind of so if you think about forgiveness as an awareness practice but you still have to work within the world right and the difference it creates that the miracle is the shift in perspective from believing the ego to the holy spirit and then kind of showing up in a way differently without that same pain without that, those same hang-ups without the same insecurities that you would otherwise do things with if you don't practice forgiveness. Does that kind of make sense or is that a bit too real? No, it makes so much sense. I have like so many questions now. Please, go. <laughs> um, because I guess the first point was that you would say forgiveness is a process. It's not like a destination to aim to reach because that's what's made it really hard for me because I'm yeah. like, oh, I should forgive this person by now but I still have resentment. Like I have to get there one day I'll wake up and I'll be like, all is forgiven, but it hasn't really worked <laughs> like that. No, yeah. <laughs> it takes time. It takes time. And, and don't be surprised if you have to, it, you know, if that, whatever it is that keeps showing up for you around someone keeps showing up and you just have to kind of keep doing it over and over again. At one point it will kind of ease up. At one point you will have forgiven them, but just don't put a time limit on it. That's what it helps. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And you could forgive someone but not kind of allow them in your life and that would still be loving because I know that a big thing with the course is separation and the ego works to separate. So how could you forgive someone mentally but not allow them physically to enter your perimeter, yeah. I guess? Yeah, that's a really good point. That's, that's a really, really big point, actually, because that's where a lot of people get confused. I mean, I did it. I did it myself when I was kind of newish in the course. And it wasn't even newish. I'd, I'd been studying the thing for five years. <laughs> and, and I still did that. I still kind of got confused because so much of this is based on, you know, really letting go of judgment, really letting go of and changing your awareness, your perception of somebody else. Right? So much of it is, is about kind of saying, well, I know who you really are deep down, right? And that's, my, that's what I'm kind of devoted to doing, right? Knowing you differently to how you're showing up, knowing myself differently to, you know, what the ego wants to convince me that I am. Um, but, and this is probably the biggest thing on that point, the course has nothing to do with behaviour. You're not going to find anything in there that's going to tell you how to live your life at all. It's really just speaking to you. And that's the other curious thing about this. It's, you know, when you read the course, when you listen to the course, you'll notice it kind of sounds like Jesus is speaking directly to you as you, Lauren, right? But you'll notice as you kind of go through it that he's not really speaking to you as Lauren. He's speaking to you as the mind that thinks, it's confused and thinks it's Lauren, right? So he's not talking to you as a body, right? He's talking to you as, you know, and a helpful way of thinking about this is as the 
the part of the mind that decides between the ego and the Holy Spirit, that's who he's talking to, right? It's, it's you. It's just that you've kind of confused yourself for the character in the dream that seems really real, right? We all have. Otherwise, we wouldn't be <laughs> And so when he says forgive, again, if you keep thinking about it as an internal process, that doesn't necessarily mean that your behavior after forgiving or as a student practicing, committing years to this and practicing forgiveness and practicing the principles, doesn't necessarily mean that your behavior will look necessarily loving. It's not asking you to act loving. It's asking you, it's, it's pretty much, of course, pretty much saying that none of us, none of us are really loving. If you, because we all believe the ego, right? So we're all afraid. We're all judging ourselves first and then judging everything and everyone around us. And so that's not loving, right? The whole, the whole point of the course is to say, first you have to realize how much pain you're in and realize that you're the one who causes your own suffering, even though, you know, it does seem as though it's the world. It does seem as though it's situations externally. It does seem as though it's people, right? And so the first step is kind of really just understanding that, okay, if it's me and it's, this is the deepest level, this is the cause of everything, then, you know, that's where it makes sense to fix, right? But, but once you kind of start letting go of that fear and pain and, and accepting love internally, there's no guarantee that your behavior should kind of be a certain way, that you should do certain things. There's no such thing as like, just because you're a course student, just because you're practicing forgiveness, just because you're, you're choosing to see yourself, accept love within you and see love in others, that you don't, you won't necessarily need to kind of say to someone who's being really aggressive, you know, like, F off, like, I'm calling the cops, pretty much. <laughs> or, you know, and you could do that. The, the whole point is, is that you can be loving and still, you know, take care, protect yourself in a normal way. You can still be loving and choose never to see someone again, right? It's a little bit like, um, like if you, Someone, someone else gave this example that I really, really loved. But it's a little bit like if you have kids, right, and you have a pedophile next door, it just because you're practicing forgiveness and kind of saying, all right, well, I'm not going to judge you and I'm going to see you as you really are, does not mean that's the person that you're going to knock on the door of and say, can you please look after my kids, mm -hmm. right? It's just crazy. And in the same way, in a less dramatic way or less dramatic example, if you're dealing with someone who lies to you, mistreats you, um, doesn't respect you, crosses boundaries that they shouldn't, they need to be in your life. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do is never see someone again, right? Or limit their ability to be hurtful. What's in, so you kind of need to separate those things out, like your actions separated from how you view things and how you view things the more you kind of practice getting back into the right to seeing things through the right mind being right-minded viewing things the way the holy spirit does you might be surprised at some of the stuff you do but the difference is it's not necessarily what you do it's how you feel and what you're thinking while you do it mm -hmm. right and it is very it's, it's absolutely possible to be at peace to feel content to, to be completely internally um, without conflict while you're putting up really strong boundaries with other people. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah that, that definitely makes sense. Oh, it's I think you're so intuitive because a lot of the examples you've given are like currently going on in my life. So I just find that interesting. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what what are because will it help if you kind of give me examples? That's the other thing. Like feel free to like tell me oh, sure. you know, what it yeah. is specifically if you wanted Absolutely. Specific... Yeah. Well, yeah. this weekend I was kind of really irritated with my friends. And I found that in the past, I've let things go so easily, but then they keep doing it over and over again. That's just really not okay. So it's been mm. extremely hard to not judge them. Um, and I find that judgment is probably one of my biggest issues, probably because of the way I see myself, that it's reflected onto other people. 
Um, and also when it comes to forgiveness, there's really just two people that I found it really hard to forgive and I keep coming back to it. And some days I'm like, I don't want to forgive you. You suck. And it's just this self-righteousness that keeps me stuck in my pain. So you said something about like in the past, like this person was cruel to me. They like assaulted me. My boyfriend raped me. And that's just all like very prevalent, I guess. So I just found it relatable. I'm like, she's definitely picking up on energy. because. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I think this is, this is the thing about it as well. You know, you mentioned judgment being really hard, right? Judgment is hard for all of us. You know, if you can kind of even just think of yourself as, right? So the first step is I'm going to become aware of my judgments and I'm going to get really, really good at spotting them, noticing when I'm judging, noticing all the little things I judge, right? Like it's, it's amazing. And then I'm going to not judge myself for judging, right? So that's, that's the work really because you're going to judge, right? The difference is really as a course student, how much do you believe in those judgments, right? Because it's very natural that we all have judgments, but the degree to which we believe in them can be really different. Like I can really believe the fact that all people are mean and stupid and only animals are nice, right? I can really believe that. And, so true. <laughs> and like a hundred percent, right? But I can also get to a place where I kind of, I realize, hang on a minute. So this is kind of like, I'm totally fused with that idea. Yet every, every human being walking this planet is an idiot and I don't like them, I hate them. And now I can kind of just go, well, but that's a judgment. That's not necessarily who I am. It's an idea, it's a thought. And I can believe that 100%. I can go, well, maybe you're not completely right. Maybe sometimes you're right, right? So maybe I believe it now, maybe 80% of the time. And you want to kind of get to this point where you're noticing and believing less and less in these thoughts that, that are basically ego thoughts, right? So you want to get to a point where you're like, hmm, I just thought that person was horrible and, you know, just the worst of the worst. Maybe I'm going to question that and I'm going to go, well, you know, I notice it. So it's not me now. It's just a thought and I can completely fuse it with it and believe it 100% or I can go well you know I can create some distance and go well maybe maybe not right so now it doesn't have the same power over you and you're seeing it for, for what it is not you not something that defines you just an idea that you can give your belief to or if it's not helpful if you notice well if I really believe this how am I going to feel like what's the outcome what's the cost of this belief and if you kind of say, well, if I really believe this, if I really think that all people are terrible people and I hate humans, we'll stop. How, what's, what, what's it going to feel like? I'm going to feel terrible. And every time I speak to someone, I'm going to feel awful. I'm going to feel uncomfortable. And I'm going to want to get away, right? Which means that, you know, my life as a human here is going to be like awful as well because I can't avoid people forever, you know? And so... And even if I try to avoid them, I'm still avoiding them. I'm still hiding from them. So this doesn't really work really well, right? This creates suffering. So maybe I'm going to kind of hold it lightly and or maybe not hold it at all. Just notice it and go, yeah, don't have to believe that. That's kind of what we're talking about in terms of being mindful, you know, and the course being an awareness practice. You become aware of your feelings and then you become aware of, well, what what thought is behind this feeling so you become a bit of a detective like a like you monitor yourself you go what am i feeling today and if i'm feeling really rubbish i kind of backtrack and i kind of say well i've been feeling rubbish for a few hours where did that come from what was i thinking right and maybe i had this thought where i looked at, you know i walked past the mirror and i felt really fat and i felt damn like <laughs> terrible <laughs> like and so and, and in that moment, if I get really clear, I can say, well, I just judge myself. I judge my physicality in a negative way, right? And that's what hurt. And that's what led to that. So now I'm becoming aware. I'm kind of teasing out. Here are my feelings. This is the thought that led to the feeling. 
And now I'm going to kind of go, well, do I like the consequence of that feeling, right? Do I like the, sorry, do I like the feeling, which is the consequence of the thought? Now, if it's just a thought and it leads to this feeling, do I want it? Do I really want it? So you're kind of getting to that point. And if it causes pain, you immediately know, oh, I believe the ego. Do I want the ego? Do I, not, do I want to believe the ego, right? If it leads to suffering, if it leads to pain. And so that's how you start kind of slowly untangling yourself from it. Yeah, I love that. I love that because that makes me feel a lot better because I have this ingrained belief that when I judge, it means that I'm bad. And I notice myself judging. I'm like, see, you're not spiritual enough. Like you're judging again. But I think I do have the awareness. Like I know I'm doing it but I still do it anyway, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah, and, and that's why, you know what, think of it as kind of like, well, that judgment comes from the wrong mind. It comes from the ego, and you're not the ego, right? So just because you're aware of it doesn't make you bad, right? It's a function of the ego. And so you all you have to kind of remind yourself of is, just because I had that judgment doesn't mean the judgment is true, for starters. Doesn't mean um, I'm bad. Judgment kind of comes naturally in the ego thought system. Like your mind is a judgment factory pretty much. Like everybody's mind is. And so if you start with that basic kind of idea, right, that my mind is designed to judge. That's what it's designed to do, right? But there's a difference between, you know, um, kind of like discernment and judgment. So like we discern, we kind of say, well, I'm about to cross the road, you know, and some people have actually done this. At one point I think I was doing it. It's like, well, if I, you know, I'm not supposed to judge. So like what? how do you survive in the world without any kind of – so you want to kind of separate it out from even with people. I want to discern. I need to evaluate things here, right? Judgment – the way the course is talking about it is that negative evaluation of who you are, right, and who everybody else is. So you want to kind of be able to say, well, you know, I want to discern, I want to name, I want to evaluate that this behaviour in somebody is hurtful, right? Now, that's just naming something. That's not necessarily judging, right? I know this is hurtful. When someone grabs a knife and does this, I know that's going to, if it comes close to me, I'll bleed. So it's that kind of like, I'm just, you know, non-judgmentally naming and recognizing and evaluating what's going on, right? The judgment really is when you kind of say, oh, that person with the knife who's trying to point it my way, right? They're evil. That's different. That's a judgment. Um, you could easily just say, oh, that's a person with a knife pointing it my way. They must be unwell right? They must be not in their right mind, right? That's different from saying, oh, they're, they're the spawn of Satan. They deserve to die and, you know, whatever, and be burnt alive, whatever it is. And it's the same way with like smaller kind of examples where it's like, wow, that person, that friend of mine who started lying to me and was being really manipulative, oh, that's manipulation. I can call it what it is, right? I know it's not helpful. I know it's quite hurtful, but doesn't mean that and so, again, we're kind of looking at, well, I can judge her and say she's horrible and, you know, this is the reason I should be able to kind of, like, call her names pretty much and just, you know, yell at her and treat her badly or guilt trip her and make her feel really bad. Um, or I can kind of say, well, that's not healthy, that's not good, I don't like that, I don't, I don't appreciate that. I don't want to treat people that way, so I'm going to have a conversation maybe. If there's no way that she's going to change that behaviour and that's just how she is, that's what's normal for her, that's fine. I don't have to judge her, but I'm never going to speak to her again because it's not helpful, right? Mm. It's harmful. And, you know, and you forgive, again, you can kind of be in that place of peace about it, but without um, that, like having a punitive kind of intent when you kind of say, and you're the reason I haven't slept in two weeks or whatever it is. Does yeah. that kind of make sense? Yeah, thank you so much. This has been so helpful. I have so many questions that I guess we can all cover moving forward. But 
I really wanted to ask you how you know, this is sort of not the same topic, but how do you know the difference between, I guess, a holy relationship and a special relationship? Because right now I'm in like a really happy relationship. I've never been in a healthy relationship before. And I don't know if I'm placing that like, I don't know if it's, I have that special mindset around it versus the holy mm. mindset. So I don't know mm. if you know how to just like discern the difference. Yeah. 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 That's a really good question. And that's another really big, um, I guess, place so we, we can get really confused. Right. So to start off, it helps again to kind of ground yourself in this idea that the holy relation, the course is only of talking to you on the level of the mind. Right. It's not necessarily, and it's hard to kind of keep reminding yourself of that because our experience here is one of being in a body, right, in relationship to other bodies. And so when the Course talks about holy relationships and special relationships, it's not really talking about a specific relationship that you have with another person. It's kind of saying that um, holiness and specialness mutually exclusive ideas right so specialness is an ego kind of idea and holiness is a holy spirit idea so really when we kind of talk about holy relationships and special relationships if you remember that jesus is speaking to you as the mind right not as not as you lower in the body uh, identity um not that you're that but it's always you as the mind that chooses between so what it is it's saying you know there are only two relationships you really can have on that level. You can have a relationship with the ego, or you can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit on the level of the mind. Now, if you have a relationship with the ego, meaning you believe the ego, you think like the ego, you're completely fused with it, then you have a special relationship, right? Because a special relationship is basically um, a separate relationship. And the idea of the, the whole ego is the idea of separation being real, right? And so that is the original special relationship. And then if you choose, if you're really in your ego of wrong mind, then everything you see here, every relationship you see here will be a special relationship, meaning that it's coming from, like you're viewing it from, I should say, you're interpreting it from this perspective of specialness, this perspective of the wrong mind, which says love, love, for example, there's love and there's hate. And, you know, some people make me happy, right? And some people are the cause of my suffering, right? When you meet my needs, then, you know, everything's good. We have a good relationship. And when you disappoint me, then now I hate you pretty much. Like you're not meeting my needs, you're not meeting my expectations. And so, you're no good, right? I can cast you in the role of the villain and say, well, you're the problem, right? Not me. <laughs> That's kind of what a basic special relationship looks like. And you're going to see it with everybody, right? So the holy relationship is really when you realize that, okay, I'm not the dream figure, right? I'm the dreamer of the dream. I'm the mind that chooses between the ego and the Holy Spirit. So my the original and only holy relationship you really have is with your right mind the holy spirit with jesus right and when you choose that now you're, you're basically accepting the idea of holiness you're, you're uh, accepting you're embracing this idea that love has no exceptions right that love and peace and joy and god are what's real and so now when you're in your right mind now you view everyone from that lens, meaning now you're seeing everybody as you are, as God sees you, as the son of God. Now you're kind of walking around, even if it's a stranger, you're literally like walking down the street and someone crosses, you know, crosses your path, basically. You never see them again. You don't know anything about them. Maybe it's a little kid. Maybe it's an old person, you know, but whatever, it, whoever it is, you'll see in them oh, this is my brother, this is my sister, this is myself, right? This is a part of me. This is the Holy Son of God as well. Not the form, not the body, not who they appear to be, because they appear separate, right? Who they are in truth is 
another part of me and I'm a part of God. So God is here, love is here. Now, they may not be a nice person. <laughs> they might be really nice. They might be, you know, there's a spectrum. But regardless of how they show up, regardless of their history, regardless of any of their differences, male, or female, tall, short, you know, whatever it is, background, you know, age, any of that, they are, I'm going to see them as equal with me. I'm going to see them as the same as me, right? And I'm going to see them as part of love, essentially. They're not excluded, even if they're a murderer. They're not excluded from God's love. Doesn't mean that, you know, I'm going to be best friends with them, but I know who they really are. That's how I'm viewing them. And so when you think about so the relationship you're in right now, the way you make it a holy relationship is to be as right-minded as you can be constantly, right? So you kind of say to yourself, well, I'm going to have a special relationship with this person if I'm viewing them through the, through the lens of the ego. And anytime I see with the ego, I'm seeing everyone with the ego. I'm accepting the ego's purpose of seeing someone as different to me, as better than me or worse than me, essentially, as the cause of my suffering or the cause of my happiness. That's what I'm doing when, I'm, when, I, when I have a special relationship, when I'm viewing things with the ego. I'm pretty much saying, you're the reason I'm happy, you're the reason I feel rubbish and, you know, you're better than me, you know, I think that, you know, you've got something that I value that I don't have, maybe you're, I don't know, you're more worthwhile than I am because I'm crap, you know, or I'm so much better than you are, you know, and you do the opposite thing, right? So the only way to correct that really is, again, just noticing when you do that, like, for example, like, especially if in your healthy relationship, you really love this person, you might find that you've got a tendency to kind of say, oh, wow, they're just so, like, how did they choose me? It's so wonderful. It's so amazing. And maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe insecurities come up, right? That would be you in a special relationship, basically. And it's, it's got nothing to do with the other person, right? This, this is the whole point. It's who are, we, who are you viewing this person with? The ego? If you, in some way, have an insecurity, you're viewing yourself with the ego, right? So that's a special relationship. So in other words, if you're in this happy relationship, great, fantastic, good. <laughs> Make the most of it, right? However, don't be surprised if at some point you disappoint them or they disappoint you. This is, again, kind of like similar to the whole, like, you know, um, the judgment thing. You've got to Except expect <laughs> that everyone's going to, in some way, you know, they're not perfect, no one's perfect to you. And so it's a question of, well, when someone does upset me, even if it's something small, like, oh, they forgot to message me, good night, or, you know, it's little things. <laughs> and then you kind of say to yourself, well, oh, this is doomed, maybe, maybe they don't love me anymore, or, you know, whatever it is. You want to catch yourself and kind of say, you know, and if they have changed, for example, then you, again, you deal with things on this level. You talk things out, you kind of figure out what's going on. But you're always, always mindful, number one, of who am I dealing this with, right? If it's with the ego, I'm going to come to a conclusion that basically says they're terrible or I'm terrible. They're not good enough or I'm not good enough. Right? And there'll be that, that internal suffering. Does that kind of clarify? Yeah, so it's not a specific relationship. It's more so the mindset of choosing the ego or love yeah, from my understanding right. of what you're saying. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And... And expect, it to, expect yourself to switch, right? Because yeah. <laughs> you'd be enlightened if you were always in the right mind. The whole point is you're going to constantly find yourself in the wrong mind most of the time, right? Even when things are good, even when things are happy. Because again, like everyone else, you're tempted to make the mistake of thinking, well, this is the, per this is the reason I'm happy because this wonderful person is in my life. I'm happy now, you know? Um, and if they ever go... If something happens to them, God forbid, you know, this is the reason I'm going to be miserable, sad, and lonely for the rest of my life, right? 
So you want, you want to be aware of the stories your ego tells you, right? About yourself, about the situation, about everyone else. Yeah, that, I, that makes so much sense because the ego is telling you a story, but you can choose whether you want to believe it or not. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and if you connect it to this idea that it, the ego stories will always lead to confusion and pain, essentially, always. So the whole idea with switching over to the right-minded thought system is this idea that no matter what anyone does, no matter what happens in my life, I have the ability to kind of cultivate an internal place of peace and joy and love. I have the ability to access that, whether someone's nice to me or not, whether someone disappoints me or not, whether, you know, everything goes right in my life or whether, whether everything's going wrong in my life, basically. So it's kind of in a way returning this idea of power to you, right? It's not everyone else's fault that I'm upset or everyone else's fault that I'm happy and now I've got to kind of keep everything the way it is. It's I choose it. I choose it internally no matter what, meaning I'm not powerless, right, in the face of any kind of experience. It's so hard sometimes because the ego is so loud and it's so easy to be happy when everything's going right, but then when something doesn't go your way, everything's a catastrophe. <laughs> Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, and which is why, again, if you can kind of, you've got to be really kind with yourself. I can't recommend that enough. Be kind, be very gentle with you, first and foremost, and be patient because it is a process and it takes a lot of, a lot of practice, a lot of practice. And you'll get heaps and heaps of opportunities, right, because... The world is, you know, the world will throw a million things at you. And every day there's a new problem, essentially, even if it's a tiny little one or a really big one, you know, like a pandemic. But, you know, so there are a lot of things to contend with. And you're always going to immediately hear the ego, like you said. The ego speaks first and the ego speaks loudest. Of that, you can be sure. You'll always hear the ego first, which is why so much of, the actual practice of the course is actually being comfortable with that, right? And actually saying, I expect to hear the ego. Wake up and go, yeah, I'm going to hear the ego. And I'm also going to kind of learn to just kind of put it to a side and go, you're my imaginary friend who's not really a friend. You're my imaginary friend of me. I made you up. And now I'm kind of going to, I've got to do the work to get to the other side. But first, I've got to look at the pain. I've got to look at my frustrations. I've got to look at how angry I get about stuff. I've got to look at how down I get about stuff. I've got to look at all my insecurities. I've got to look at my fears. I've got to look at all the ways they show up, right, for me in a very specific way, how I feel, where I'm thinking, my reactions to things, my general mood, my attitude, right? All of that will tell you what's going on in your mind. So you want to use it and kind of go, yep, totally expected. And, of course, the ego speaks first. And get used to calling it what it is. Just say, oh, yeah, thanks, ego, heard you. I know you think I'm rubbish. <laughs> and But you're not real, right? And you can't hurt me. And I don't have to believe you. And if I believe you, I hurt myself. And maybe I don't want to anymore. I don't, I don't want to suffer anymore. I don't want to feel this pain anymore that comes from believing you. Yeah, and then just the switch. That works a lot better. That's yeah. why I'm so intrigued with the course because I've I love self help, but the difference is that in most like self growth development books, like that you read from front to back that aren't hundreds of pages long, they usually tell you like do this, do this, do this, and you'll be enlightened. Like drink tea, meditate, do yoga. And if you're feeling angry, you're not doing it right. So that's why the course is so interesting because it essentially says you're human. You're going to feel this, but what will you do with it when it comes up? Yeah, it's a lot deeper yeah. and it's a lot more subtle, right? Because there is no such thing. I think that's the biggest thing about it, right? You can't, it, it's, it's not a behavioral guide. 
yoga you can do yoga in full rage right I've done that (laughs) like you can do it in full grief mode and it doesn't always help and I guess that's the point in the same way that you know just because I meditate every day doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to feel better right because if you don't know what you're doing necessarily if you don't know that you have a choice if you don't have these kind of skills to kind of or even just the theory, the framework to kind of say, oh, this is what I'm facing. I've got the ego, I've got a split mind basically. I've got the ego and I've got a right mind that the Holy Spirit kind of guides me in, right? There's this place of utter terror, right? Pain, part of me is kind of dedicated to that. Part of me really believes that, which is why I'm here. And part of me knows it's complete nonsense. It's completely made up and I don't have to be afraid. And now I kind of, and I swing between the two. So I know pain. I also know a bit of happiness, right? And I know, and I've got this part that tells me this is a bit messed up, right? That maybe there's something else. But it is really a lot more of a journey, right? And a lot, it's a lot more active, you know, internally. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You could say that again. (laughs) I've noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you read a lot of self-help before you found the course? Is that I how did. You found it? Yeah, I, I loved Marianne Williamson for a long time, and I would hear her mm-hmm. talk about a course. And then it wasn't until this year that I started reading Gabrielle Bernstein, and she kept talking about it. And then I was like, maybe I should just look it up and see. And then I was just like, wow, this is like a whole different world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's And I think it even goes, because they're two real popular popularizes I guess yes. the course. but they don't go all the way in either it's so interesting like it's really helpful when you first kind of read them as a primer yeah but then a lot of the things later that you kind of learn by actually reading the course and doing the course it's just completely different in a way like I know that um Gabrielle Bernstein in particular, like I know she's kind of, um, she does a lot of that whole law of attraction manifesting thing, the supercharging thing. Um, But that's not really necessarily coursey. That's more like Wayne Dyer-ish, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, even that might be something interesting that you kind of come to where you're like, okay, I've tried this and you'll notice the differences quite a bit when you do do that. Have you tried that? Is that one of the books you've read or...? The law, like law of attraction. The manifestation. Yeah, yeah. And even that is based in ego for me because I'm like, I have to do this to get this outcome. And if I don't do this outcome, I'm not doing it right or something's wrong. So yeah, it's more of yes. a lifestyle for me. It's been learning to have complete trust in the universe, but it's difficult when things are going like differently than I had hoped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's in all honesty, it's not really um, the course isn't necessarily even saying to do any of that, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. that that was one of the things that kind of surprised me when I finally got it, which was the course isn't necessarily interested in making your life any better. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with it, right? Yeah. Obviously, it's really important um, to know who you are, right? Know what your preferences are. And try to design a life in a way that you really enjoy, right? But at the same time, the course's aim isn't necessarily to kind of get you really comfortable here. It's to help wake you up from it. Mm. So it's not about the getting of things. It's about actually receiving internally and, and, and like, receiving, recognizing who you are and giving internally. So ideas-based, mind-based, not you know, in this world, you know, if I have that car, everything's going to be great. If I have that house, if I have this, all the, all the typical things that they kind of, that everyone kind of goes for in more of attraction stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's very different. I like that because a lot of it is outcome based. It's if I do these things, if I read this book, then my life will get better. But the course isn't necess- necessarily saying that it's teaching you to be okay with, like you said, mind based. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing about that as well is that the the outcome-based thing is really important. 
because that's another thing. Even with forgiveness, you might think, well, I'm forgiving, I'm forgiving, I'm forgiving. Why is that person still so horrible? Right? <laughs> and it's and that's another big thing. It's not about it. You, it's helpful not to expect any kind of concrete changes as a result of it. Look for internal changes because that's what's going to change. You're going to change, right? You'll have less fear. You'll have less anxiety about things. You'll have, you know, just less insecurities, less less of all the kind of like internal stuff, um, the internal kind of mess, the internal kind of conflicts that you would otherwise have, right? So, yeah, it's it's not about necessarily getting things. It's about being a different way, viewing things a different way.